to the High Court case in which the United Democratic Movement and another, there are a total of 19 applicants, some of them fairly obvious, like the UDM, Inkata, Action SA, and then there's some individuals, South African Federation of Trade Unions, NUMSA, uh, the Whitehood River, the White River Neighborhood Watch is the 13th applicant. Uh, the Intsiki Mgagia Tea Estate is the 18th applicant. The respondents are ESCOM, the Minister of Public Enterprises, the DG of DPE, the President, the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy, the DG of that, uh, NURSA, and the Government of the Republic of South Africa. And essentially what they are asking is that the government stop load shedding, alternatively that the government make sure that critical infrastructure is exempt from load shedding and that the government give good reasons as to why load shedding exists. I've been reading... The uh, response, the legal papers, the affidavit from the fourth and eighth respondents, that is Sul Ramaphosa, on behalf of the presidency and part of the government of the Republic of South Africa. And a part of that has been extracted and has been used by opposition political parties, been used by civic action groups. Um, Yesterday, I probably had a screenshot of a tweet quoting part of it, which uh, reached me probably 25 times in the three hours of yesterday afternoon. And it is this thing that the government, meaning the national government, is not constitutionally obligated to supply electricity. And in the affidavit, he explains that by saying, you know, my, my duty as president is simply to honor and respect the Constitution of the Republic, and there's no proof that I haven't done that. And, oh, by the way, it is the responsibility of local municipalities to give electricity. And if there isn't electricity for them to pass on to their consumers, well, then that's not legally the national government's problem. Professor Pierre Foss is a constitutional law expert and joins us now. Uh, Pierre, sometimes what is legally so is not politically or commonsensically so. Do you think in these papers that Sir Roman Pose's argument is legally sound? I was quite surprised. The, the arguments, the papers from the presidency are usually quite good, even if the arguments, the, the legal point might not win. They seem to more or less stick to what the law might plausibly be. In this case, some of the things stated or claimed in the papers are not true. So uh, the the presidency says that uh, electricity is a competence, or he suggests it's a competence that's exclusive for, uh, for local government. What the constitution says is that electricity articulation, in other words, getting the electricity to the consumer. That's a, a joint or a shared competence between the national government and local government. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not really accurate to say that. There's also a constitutional court case from the end of last year from the Val Rape Association or something like that, where the majority actually said it was a, a interdict situation, but the, the majority said that there's no right to electricity in the Constitution, but if you uh, dramatically reduce access to electricity, uh, it actually impacts on the enjoyment of other rights. So there might be a rights issue that come in there. Um, yes, 
So, so on both those scores, it's a bit perplexing. The, the other interesting thing is that the regulations uh, issued yesterday in terms of the Disaster Management Act to deal with ESCOM, it actually includes in Section 4 a provision that says um, institutions at national, provincial, and local sphere must um, uh, take steps within its resources to actually ensure that many of these institutions that the UDM in the application asked for, that they are exempt from electricity cuts, which is actually contradicting what the president says, because he said in his papers, it's not really possible to exempt, it's not really the government national uh, fear cannot interfere, and so on. So, but, but through, through, through the regulations and through the the presidency, the government's papers, is this in as far as practically possible within yeah. the constraints of mm. the resources available, which seem like get out of jail free cards. Um, well, so uh, I haven't been able to find the papers uh, of the UDM of the applicants in the case, but uh, it looks like maybe they have gone a bit overboard and they have framed the claims or the uh, claims about what the obligations are, but too broadly, which is then easy for for the executive, for the president, to get out of the situation. Um, what the Constitutional Court said broadly about <clears throat> electricity is that uh, there, there is a limit to there must be limits on this enjoyment of a, a, um, of this r- uh, bundle of rights, but obviously um, there is a limit uh, to what will be acceptable within the law. So yes, so th- so maybe if the papers were more specific, if it identify specifically which institutions where um, would you see, I mean, again the, the government would argue Pierre that for example um, with hospitals what they're trying to do is they're trying to organize the cabling that you need to have in order to exempt only the hospital from load yeah. shedding because the the way that the system is technically set up at the moment means that if you exempt the hospital, then you exempt the surrounding suburb. And if mm. you exempt all of the hospitals, all of the critical infrastructure that the UDM and others identify in their papers, then you are exempting that times all the suburbs that are around, which means you won't have load shedding anymore, yeah. or the load shedding that on the places that are left will be mm-hmm. 21 hours a day. I mean, it, it seems almost as if whatever judgment the court comes to is moot, because they're not going to be able to force the government yes. to provide electricity, which ESCOM is just not generating. Yes, so this, <laughs> this is the problem with these kinds of rights that require something to be given or something to be done positively. If there comes a point where there is no practical or logical way that this could actually happen. If there's no electricity, there's no electricity. What the government has done in the regulations on the disaster, as I said, it says that institutions must do exactly what you say now, installing alternative energy sources or take other measures to make sure that it's practically possible for your hospital not to be on load shedding uh, schedule. Whether the national government can tell uh, a hospital that or tell the province or the the municipality that they need to do that, I'm not sure if it's uh, enforceable though, once again, because 
how do you decide? Can the court actually, does it have the ability and the technical know-how to make these decisions? And the court doesn't like to tell the government what to do. It's, it's fine with saying that the government is not doing what it is constitutionally obliged to do, but it is very hesitant to, to get into the detail of do this, do that, do the other thing. Um, mm. Pierre, if I, could, if I could ask you about the, uh, the unanimous Concord decision earlier today not mm. to grant Saul Ramaphosa direct access to challenge the uh, report into Palo Palo, which recommends that he is a prima facie case to answer. Um, the Concord said that this is in no way a comment on the merits of the application, mm. simply that they want him to go through the High Court first. The presidency echoed that. Do you, do you do you have an idea why they said he didn't make enough of a case yeah. to justify direct access? How would you explain that? Yes, so it's difficult because they didn't provide any reasons. But I think the problem is that um, the there's automatic only the constitutional court can hear issue uh, relating to the exercise of a constitutional duty by the president. They try to make that argument in this case, but the problem is it is a, a body, a panel that is not, you know, it's, it's employed by parliament, but it's, it's a panel who made a decision. Not it, The decision itself or the report itself does not have immediate uh, enforceable consequences. And so maybe... The, uh, for for that reason alone, the court might say, well, this is really uh, not something that is exclusively about a duty of the president to fulfill a constitutional obligation. Thank you very much, Professor Pierre de Foss, the Claude Leon Foundation Chair in Constitutional Governance at UCT.